Today what I want to do is to um, carry on our series in foundations. We're, we're basing ourselves in Ephesians and we're looking at the foundations of the church and how we corporately have foundations together, who we are as a church together. And we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 5 today. Uh, so if you want to find that, then we can look at that a bit later on. But as most of you know that I was employed as the worship and youth pastor here at Jubilee in January 2020. And I want to take you on a journey that I've been on with the worship at Jubilee and describe some of the foundations today that are already in place here since that time. So this is a bit of a vision talk today on what worship at Jubilee is actually built on. Uh, As Becky said, I'm so passionate about worship Uh, And I believe I've really grown in the gift that God has given me ever since I started singing at the youth band at Shirley Baptist Church when I was there. And then I started to self-teach myself guitar in my room at the age of 18 with a Soul Survivor songbook, if you remember the old songbooks that used to get released. Uh, Years of worship in my room at home, going to every worship seminar that I could possibly get to. Uh, I think um, the worship leaders at the time I don't know whether they ever spotted me, but I was, I was always in every single worship seminar I was at. I read every worship book under the sun. In fact, I was clearing out some books the other day and I found I'd got two copies of Matt Redman's book for some reason. I'm not entirely sure why. Um, I'd lead worship in different contexts and churches. And then more recently, I've written a dissertation on worship. And I feel like all of this has culminated in this moment right here. And it has actually taken a really long time, Rob will testify to this, to write this talk, as I've really actually felt the weight of what I wanted to say and communicate and the foundations of what we have in worship here. You see, it genuinely stuns Rob and I when we go to different places and people ask how we do what we do in worship at Jubilee. Angela Kem, some of you will know, remarks that it's actually really rare to find an experienced worship like we have at Jubilee. There's an expectation here, there's a freedom here, there's a willingness to rush in on the very first chord or the very first note. And then the uh, leader of uh, the Leicester Church, Matt Weedle, when he came to visit us at St Helens, made the observation that people at Jubilee sing in the gaps between songs and continue to worship together. Uh, We didn't actually realise this was unusual at the time, but it's become clear that something is happening at Jubilee in worship. Now, if you've been around Jubilee for any length of time, you'll have probably heard this phrase, present-centred worship. How our worship is centred around the presence of God. Now, this phrase wasn't something that we conjured up to be a funky buzzword at a strategy meeting, nor was it agonised or chewed over to make a catchy and exciting social media-friendly phrase. It's nothing to do with that. It actually came from conversations and preaches around worship about 10 years ago in this church, where the Holy Spirit showed us what the worship at Jubilee looked and felt like. Presence-centred worship. And this phrase really stuck as we realised how God had actually really blessed us in our worship to him. As we faithfully met and he faithfully met with us as we gave him glory in song, in prayer, in exhortation and in the the declaration of who he is. 
it had become really evident that people started to ask, what is present-centred worship? Or ask for a definition and wanted to know how we got to that place. And recently we've actually realised that we needed to see how we have been led to that place. It's no longer good enough just to say, wow, we just, it's just, just is. What are the foundations that are in place in order for us to have got here? And so we've had to work backwards. It developed organically from following the Holy Spirit. And now it's time to look back at where he has led us. So we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to look at five foundations to present-centred worship. And I'm quite excited about this. So we're going to read Ephesians chapter 5. It might be slightly different on the screen. uh, But it says this. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking which are out of place, but rather there should be thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure. No moral, impure or greedy person such as a man, such a man is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not partner with them. For you were once in darkness, but now you are in light. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light what makes everything visible. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead. And Christ will shine with you. Be very careful then how you live. Not be unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the beginning of this chapter starts with a call to follow the example of God, imitate God. It says, Paul states that we're to imitate God and to walk in love as Christ loved us through his sacrifice. Now in order to imitate someone or walk in their way, you actually need to know them. So do you know who Jesus is? We're going to watch a video, okay? It's part of a six-minute monologue. It's not six minutes, it's about three minutes of it. And it comes at the end of an hour-long sermon delivered by uh, Dr. Shadrach Meshach Lockridge. Now, what a great name. Uh, He preached this in Detroit in in the 1970s. And I just want you to watch this and let those words echo over the decades from the 1970s of do you know who Jesus is. I'll be real. 
He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he is the Lord of lords. That's my king. Do you know him? No means of measure can define his limitless love. Well, well, he's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally grateful. He's imperial power. He's impartial and pleasure. Do you know him? He's God's son. He's a sinner's state. He's a centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. Well, he's the longest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's a fundamental doctrine of true theology. Do you know him? He's the power, strength of the weak. He's available for the tempted and the pride. He's sympathizing and he's saved. He heals the sick. He claims the leprous. He forgives sinners. He discarded death. He delivers the captives. He defeats the people. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. Do you know him? My king is the king of knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? His life is massive. His goodness is limited. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy. And his burden is life. Well, I don't have to describe him for you. But he's been the So here's the first foundation of presence-centered worship at Jubilee, is knowing Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about his gospel, and hopefully this should really come as no surprise, that everything we do in worship should be about Jesus. But do you know him? Do you actually know him? Do you believe it in your head? 
Do you know him in your heart? Is it more than just an intellectual thought? Do you strive to know him deeper and deeper? Psalm 100 in verse 3 says, know that the Lord is good. And it's because we know Jesus that we want to worship him. Our hearts sing and we celebrate because we know him. Now we know who Jesus is, some of us, but there's always more to know. So how do we get to know him? As you said, I wish I could describe him to you. I can't, but yet he's describing him. There's so much more. Well, how do we get to know him? We read his word. The easiest thing to do is to pick up his word and find out what he's like, because he's in here. What did he do? How did he do it? We get to know him. The disciples had the same question. And Jesus says three times in John 14, 15 and 16 that the Holy Spirit will reveal, testify and teach about Jesus. We can get to know Jesus through his word, spending time with his Holy Spirit, allowing him to speak to us. And that's exactly why in Ephesians 5, 18, Paul says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. He encourages the church not to get drunk on wine. Now, this is interesting because this is something that Ephesus was known for. They had the temple of Dionysus, who was the god of wine. People would get drunk. Dionysus would enter them and they would prophesy. They would dance in a frenzied way and live to excess and wild living. But Paul says, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you can prophesy and you can dance and you can, yes. you, can, you can live, but not to excess and wildly. You can live according to the creator and the king of the universe. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't need what the world's got. You can get to know Jesus by being filled with the Holy Spirit and through his word and his love. So we know Jesus. We know who he is. Yeah. We believe what he has done. And because we know him, that's why we worship. That's why I worship. If you don't know Jesus today, then please, please speak to somebody. Because getting to know Jesus is probably one of the most incredible things that you can possibly do. So foundation one in present-centred worship is knowing Jesus. We know who Jesus is. And in a similar way, the second foundation builds on that first one. Earlier on in verse 17 to 32 of chapter 4, Paul sets up the whole of this letter, or this part of the letter, with instructions to not live like those who don't know Jesus. There's a list of put-offs and do-nots, which continue into chapter 5. Look at verse 4. But rather, look at verse 8. You were once, but now you are. Verse 17, do not But, verse 18, do not, but instead. What Paul is really emphasising is the contrast of knowing Jesus and not knowing him. And then the outworkings of that in our lives. He encourages us to put aside those former ways and to live in the light of knowing Jesus. This is important and it's a slightly different foundation from what we've just seen. Because you might know Jesus But do you walk in the light of knowing Jesus? Even when the rough trials of life knock you, you are a child of God. And you are seated in heavenly places. You have access to the throne of God. No matter how bad your sin, 
no matter the darkness you once lived in, a way has been made for you to come before the throne of grace. We don't deserve it. We really don't, haven't earned it, but it has been given to us by the creator of all things. So this is the second foundation, is knowing who you are. Funnily enough, it's over there on the banner, a community of people who know who we are. This is why we keep going on about identity in Christ in this church. It is so foundational to everything. Paul is so convinced that it's important, it's repeated. You were, but now. You were, but now. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 10, verse 18 to 19, when talking about sins being forgiven, says this, and where these have been forgiven, an offering for sin is no longer needed. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have the confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, you have confidence to enter the most holy place. Verse 20 to 20 to 22 says, by the new and living way opened through us, by the curtain of his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with sincere hearts, full of assurance of faith. We have the confidence to approach and now we draw near in worship. Present-centred worship starts with Jesus, starts with knowing who he is. And what follows is our response to that. We know who we are because of Jesus. You are washed clean you are not guilty. I wonder if we just need to take a moment just to let the Holy Spirit minister that to us. Just, just pause for a moment and let him gently whisper to you who you are. We did an exercise when we were down with these students. of well, What is the Holy Spirit saying to you in this moment? What's he affirming in you? So we're just going to spend 30 seconds. It's not really enough time to let the Holy Spirit... <laughs> really minister to us but we're just going to have that moment of Holy Spirit come and just just express to us who we are in you. You are a child of God. You are seated in heavenly places. You have access to the throne of God. That's who we are. And that's a foundation that we stand on. So knowing Jesus and knowing who we are in him are the first two foundations. And then Paul goes on in Ephesians 5.19 that we should speak to one another. Speak to one another. Now the word speak here is not necessarily to talk, although we did do some of that during worship. It's, it's, that was great. It's fed right into what we're doing. But it actually means to emit your voice and to make yourself heard. Or to declare your mind and disclose your thoughts. So read here when Paul says speak to one another. It's declare your mind and disclose your thoughts to one another. Now, during the pandemic, we were completely confined to our homes and church went online. 
and we were almost forced to worship from our homes. And no matter how much technology, I think we've got a, a slide of the technology that we were using. I don't think anyone's really ever seen this. Um, so there's me in my home. This was Trev's, uh, well, one of the boys' bedrooms, I think, wasn't it, Trev, with that much tech there? Uh, that's how we got online, basically. But no matter how much technology we had, it would never make up for being together in the church. I don't know if you remember that uh, Good Friday Easter in uh, 2020, just after we'd been locked down, and seeing everyone's faces pop up on the screen, and just how emotional that was, that we were almost together, but we still weren't. And then we were allowed to meet, weren't we? There's a few of us together, but not sing. We had to book in online to come. And it was a step, but you still felt like you'd turned up with others but only to worship yourself behind your mask because you couldn't sing. We were not able to emit our voices and declare our minds and thoughts to one another as we sang to the Lord. And this is why we meet together. This is why we do this. Because we get to know one another as we sing and as we share together about the goodness and majesty of God. You see, Paul could have just stopped at be filled with the Spirit and then moved on into and make music in your heart to the Lord. But he didn't. It was important enough for Paul to put in that we should meet together to know one another as we express our thoughts and our minds to Christ. So this is the third foundation of present-centred worship at Jubilee, is knowing Jesus, knowing who we are, and knowing one another. Being together, sharing with each other, our expression of praise to God. All worship is to God. Obviously, we don't worship one another, but we do it together. And then verse 19 continues to explain how we do this. How do we speak to one another? We speak with psalms, with hymns, and with spiritual songs. Now, looking at a lot of uh, commentators on this, there's a lot of debate as to what these three mean. And actually, whether they mean the same thing, and Paul's just overemphasizing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, or whether they are three distinct different things. And having a look in the Greek, which I won't bore you with, they are very clear, distinct things. Psalms, if you don't know, literally means twanging strings or with musical accompaniment, which is quite good. Um, But in this verse, it's specifically directed to somebody who recites the psalms. So somebody who recites those Old Testament psalms. A hymn is a song of praise to God. The preacher and and theologian Martin Lloyd-Jones highlights that this is likely to be a written composition. Hymns were written and taught in the early church because many couldn't read. And so they were written to be able to be repeated. A bit like what we do on a Sunday when we sing. And then spiritual songs. Martin Lloyd-Jones also points out that neither of the first two have had to have the word spiritual put before them because it's assumed. Uh, But a song in itself is not spiritual. And so this word spiritual here means divinely inspired and so indicative of the Holy Spirit. So it's basically a Holy Spirit inspired song. So we are to speak, we are to sing, we are to share with one another where we are, what we're doing with psalms, with hymns and with spiritual songs. And then we get to know one another. At Life Group on Wednesday, I heard a we were honouring one another as we went round the circle and it was just lovely to hear Kate encouraging Jen that standing next to her in worship uh, recently and hearing her and seeing her passion raised 
Kate's own faith and spurred them on to worship. She said it was a bit like Jen was leading her in worship from where she was. Do you know that you get to lead each other in worship? It's not about what happens up here. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, the end of that passage says, let us, not con- let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds and not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Kate said that Jen was spurring her on to worship. We know one another. It is a really defining feature as to what we do here at Jubilee. We love to sing and worship with one another. Maybe you need to have a look around while we're worshipping. But don't eyeball people because that's really weird while you're worshipping. But, but have a look around and think, oh my goodness, yes, I'm hearing their voices. I'm hearing the praise. I am learning from them and I am inspired to do the same. And so the fourth foundation then is knowing how to follow the Holy Spirit. Have you ever wondered why we repeat songs in Jubilee? Or why we seem to get stuck on a song or stuck on a non-song as we did today and we just stopped? Have you ever seen the frantic typing of the person on the laptop when they're trying to find a song that isn't in the set list and has suddenly been thrown in out of nowhere? If you're here at Encounter, well done Liz. All these the kids work. But well done, Liz. Uh, finding all those songs really fast. But why do we do it? Why don't we just stick to a set list and just get on with what we've planned to do? Well, it's been mentioned a few times that in leadership, we maybe don't know what we're doing at Jubilee. Now, you need to listen back to last week's talk for that to make sense, because uh, that's a strange statement to make. But we only do what we see the Father doing. Now, I rib Rob quite a lot in the office for using that phrase a lot. But it has pervaded every part of leading in Jubilee. We only do what we see the Father doing. And that's what happens in worship as well. Our worship services on a Sunday encounter, anywhere we do it, hopefully, are led by what we see the Holy Spirit doing. What is God doing amongst us? That's where we're going. Of course, we get a sense of all of this. We don't just blindly walk into it. We pray about it. We prepare beforehand. But we are really happy for God to intervene in our plans and lead us deeper into what he has got for us. That's why we have this contribution, Mike. We sing. We read out psalms, maybe not as much as we should. We sing hymns. We sing those set praises to God, those divinely inspired songs. And we sing spiritual songs to one another. We had a tongue today. That's just what God is doing amongst us. It's those divinely inspired contributions where we can spur one another on. And this point, this this foundation seems to have the elements of all the others. We work together as a team when we lead. There is somebody who takes the lead musically, but the whole worship team works together and contributes. We're not on our own. And even more, we work together with the meeting hosts to make sure that we are hearing from God and following his lead. So this is why we get stuck on a song. It's really hard to describe, but sometimes a song just takes off. I can think of another word to put it. As the church makes music in their hearts, verse 19, for the Lord. Verse 19 of Ephesians 5, make music in your heart to the Lord. That's what we're doing. Now, the word heart here means the centre of everything, the whole being. It's the mind, it's the emotion, it's the centering of everything. 
And as we make music with our whole being and do it together, sometimes we just find ourselves in awe of the God of creation and the God who rescues and saves and delivers and heals. And we just find ourselves in awe. Last week we heard about the leaders at Jubilee being the floor and not the ceiling. And that leaders promote and encourage others to go further and higher. And that we're not the restriction or the heavy overbearing. And that's true in the worship. I've been part of worship teams in churches where there was really heavy leadership. And there was so little freedom to test gifting or even get involved in what was going on. I've also been in churches where the leadership was so lax that it had a similar effect. And nobody had that solid floor from which to jump for their gifting. The worship leaders aren't there to perform. The worship leaders and the hosts are there to be the solid floor on which to stand and provide space in the worship for our awesome God, where God-given gifts and talents of everyone are promoted and encouraged. Not that we should be less aware of the band on the stage or that you know, they, they kind of disappear. There's a role they play, but we should all feel the permission and the faith to step out and encourage each other with the gifts that we've had in worship. So knowing how to follow the Holy Spirit is a really important part of present-centred worship. We're not saying we get it right every single time. Often there's times when I look at the hosts and uh, waiting for them to move us forward in what we're doing. And the hosts are looking back at me, waiting for me to move it forwards. And then we both shrug our shoulders and uh, we just wait. (laughs) But I would much rather be focused on what God is doing and not always get it right than to perfectly perform a set that has absolutely no space for God to intervene. As an American Christian songwriter has written it recently, a guy called Sean Groves, He said, look, take away the lights. Reduce the sound system to two speakers on sticks. All right, okay. (laughs) Swap the seats for folding chairs, okay? Uh, And the sanctuary for a cafeteria that smells faintly of burritos, or in our case, cabbage. Um, (laughs) Strange, isn't it? Miss some notes, flub some chords. Would you stay at that church? Why are you part of the community that you would call church? Do you know what? It might not be perfect. It might be uncomfortable and cold at times, last Saturday. Uh, But I would rather be in this school hall on a Sunday, and I genuinely mean this, this isn't just me writing this for effect. I would rather be in this school hall on a Sunday, encountering the living God and following his lead with you guys, the incredible family we have here at Jubilee than be in a 4,000-seater auditorium with perfect sound, perfect lights, perfect music, and no space for God to move or for people's gifts to grow. That's why I come here. That's why we meet together. Because better is one day in the courts of, yes. G- of our God than thousands elsewhere. So I really, really hope today that I've been able to share a little bit of my heart and our journey as we, how we got to the place we are in worship. Present-centred worship at Jubilee has five foundations. We know Jesus. We know who Jesus is and what he's done and we, and, he, and we know what he's still doing in our lives. We know ourselves. You know yourself. You have been given the right to be called the child of God. You have access to approach the throne with boldness. We know one another. 
We come together to worship. We hear the praises and the hearts of one another. And we're inspired to worship ourselves. We know how to follow the Holy Spirit. We work as a team both at the front and across the church. We make a beautiful sound to the Lord. And we know that he is a good father and he's going to bless us with his presence. We seek him first. We follow his lead. And he loves to dwell amongst us by his spirit. And you might have noticed I've only done four points. Well, here's the fifth. Present-centred worship in verse 20 is always giving thanks. Verse 20 of Ephesians 5 says, Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. A while ago in church we had a phrase having the attitude of gratitude. In all things, in all circumstances, we give thanks. Even in the darkest places, we still give thanks. If we have nothing obvious to give thanks for, then we thank him for our salvation. And we thank him for his love. A presence, a foundation of present-centred worship is coming with a heart of thanks. Psalm 100 again says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. That is how we enter worship, is with thanksgiving. Thank you, Father, for your love. Thank you, Father, for your presence that we can freely enter in. I mean, that's enough to start with, I think. Finally, it is God that brings us into his presence. So our praise and worship must start with him. In Jude, there's only one chapter in Jude, but verses 24 to 25, it says this, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. He brings us in to his presence. To the only God, our saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forever more. That's the God we worship. That's why we do what we do. Father, I thank you that we are a church who is surrounded by your presence, who is founded on your presence and who is centred around your presence. Lord, I thank you that we're a church who knows who you are and that is our first foundation in worship. Father, I thank you that through that we know who we are, that we are a people who are free, that we are a people who are walking in the light of what you have done in our lives. Lord, I thank you that we are such an incredible family in this place, and that out of that springs worship, and that we can inspire and we can lead others on in their worship to you. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are so faithful to show up each week when we worship you and when we give you all the glory and all the honor. Holy Spirit, would you continue to help us to follow you in our worship to the King of Kings yeah. and the Lord of Lords. Yeah. And Lord, may you fill our hearts with thankfulness this morning yes. and every morning. Lord, I thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Yes. And that we can be thankful for who you are each and every day that we worship. May our hearts be filled with thankfulness to you. And may that inspire our worship. 
King Jesus, we love you. We worship you. We honor you. And we're going to sing to you now, Lord. Would you inspire us? Cause our hearts to stir before you. And may we lift our voices to you. The awesome God before you. Yes. Yes, you are. Thank you, Jesus. Absolutely. Amen.